What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and I'm back with another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It's a solo dolo episode today, and man, I still am trying to process what happened in tonight's 121-119 to win over the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, short and sweet. Max Struess happened, but good lord, I've never seen anything like that in my career covering basketball, even playing the sport as well. According to ESPN stats and information, Max is the fourth player in the past 25 seasons to make five threes in the final four minutes of the game. And it was the way he went about it that makes it all the more noteworthy. He hit four threes in 67 seconds, and the last of which was a quick heat check that forced a timeout and brought the Cavs within one point of the Mavericks, who had been up by 10 points at one point in the fourth quarter. I've heard Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse get loud, but it was insane tonight, and it was well warranted. All eyes were on Kyrie Irving as he returned to Cleveland for the first time since 2022, and the best ball handler the league has ever seen put that title on full display on Tuesday, keeping the basketball on a string and using his handles to manipulate his way into the paint and the mid-range while utilizing a jab step that created open shots on the perimeter and kept the Cavs' defense off balance. He finished with 30 points and wasn't the leading scorer. His running mate, Luka Doncic, went off for 45 points meaning the tandem of Kyrie and Luka dropped 75 of the team's 119 points. And there is no fault to be placed on the defense for the Cavs. The Mavericks simply made few mistakes with the ball in their hands, and no matter who was guarding them, Luka and Kyrie were making tough buckets. I'll go further in depth later in this episode about why the Cavs were lucky to win this game, but to do so... I have to mention the keys to the victory, starting with Max Struess. My, oh my. I mean, 15 points in the fourth quarter, 5 of 5 from the field in the period, and all of his buckets were from long range on the entire night. And I loved seeing the emotion on Max's face when the bucket went in and how his teammates celebrated him and showered him with love, appreciation, and many, many water bottles. Max finished with 21 points, going 7 of 10 from three-point range, but he was making an impact without scoring before the fourth quarter. He had just six points entering the final period, and he had four rebounds, four assists, and two blocks when it was all said and done, including a monster rejection on Luka that turned into an assisted triple by Donovan Mitchell. The 59-foot shot that ended it, being the second longest game-winning buzzer beater since the three-point era, was a nutty stat to me, and added to the spectacle that was the last second heave by Max, who had a jaw-dropping performance overall. It was awesome for me to see Max show so much emotion when on the court with his teammates, because when he got back to the locker room, he was the same old Max, even keel short-spoken, and looking forward to the next game. Max channeled Ricky Bobby by saying the famous quote, if you ain't first, you're last. 
And that's simply the mentality Max has always shown, wanting to be the best and knowing that the regular season is for building confidence to be displayed in performances in the playoffs. To be fair, it probably didn't help that this was the first game of a back-to-back and the Cavs literally had to jump on a plane to Chicago right after this game. But Max's main focus has always been winning ball games, no matter how it gets done. That's the heat culture in them. And I honestly think the leadership of Donovan and Max has taken this team's perspective to new heights along with their play. And they will not and cannot settle for anything less than getting to the second round of the playoffs this year. And I think that message has spread throughout the Cavs locker room all season long. And I know fans have been upset with Max's shooting numbers. Heck, Max has been disappointed in his shooting numbers this year, but there is no denying that he's impacted winning in a big way and was a key acquisition for the Cavs this past offseason. And here's where we delve into a couple of things. I saw on social media, a lot of people were discussing why Sam Merrill didn't get minutes tonight, especially as a shooter. When you think about offense only, sure, that makes sense. But Max Struess was also given the task on the defensive end of guarding Luka Doncic's full court and making life as difficult as possible for an MVP frontrunner. I'm sorry to say this, but Luka more than likely bullies Sam Merrill on defense, and the other option would be to put Sam on Kyrie Irving, who was the smallest guy on the court for the Mavs. That wouldn't have fared well either. I can see why people might ask why Dean Wade didn't play more tonight. I honestly was asking myself the same question when it seemed like nobody was able, especially when it seemed like nobody was able to guard or stop. Luca and Kyrie, but J.B. Bickerstaff has been consistent with keeping Sam on the bench against long and physical teams, and if you saw in the final minutes, Darius Garland got tackled, and it wasn't called a foul. That, to me, classifies as physical and hard-nosed teams. Speaking of that play with Darius, I think it's insane that the same referee that had to admit that he made a wrong call in the Knicks and Pistons game that saw the play potentially cost the Pistons a chance at winning the contest, nearly made the same error the very next night with the Cavs. It worries me that because the Cavs won, this no call will go unspoken of and kind of swept under the rug when in reality, twice, James Williams, the referee, almost cost the team the opportunity to win. I can't say that the missed call would have been the reason the Cavs lost, There were plenty of other issues, but it definitely would have warranted another pool report. But before I get too heated on the subject, I'm going to take a quick break, but I got to put our subscribers on to something new. For our listeners, if you like food and drinks, and who doesn't, Cleveland.com is breaking new ground with our lively new podcast about dining and drinking in the greater Cleveland area. The hosts talk about the latest foodie happenings, joined by the most in-the-know experts in town. It's called Dine, Drink, CLE, and you can find it anywhere you download podcasts. Give it a listen, quench your thirst, and feed that appetite. When I come back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, I'm going to look at why I wouldn't have been surprised if the Cavs had lost the game against the Mavericks. But before then, become a Cavs insider and interact with me and Chris by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial 
or visit cleveland.com backslash calves and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the calves from Chris and me. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Sure, a win is a win. Don't get me wrong. I understand this. I know that's how the Cavs are operating right now in the regular season. But the Cavs can't be satisfied with the way the team played throughout the game Tuesday against the Mavericks. It was honestly sloppy, and that has been a consistent worry about their play to start the second half of the season since the All-Star break. They turned the ball over 16 times, leading to 24 points off turnovers. For a team that knows and needs to get up as many shots as possible to meet its quota of three-point attempts, which was 40 today, by the way, they can't be giving the ball away so often. They just reached their quota on the buzzer beater by Max, finishing the game shooting 50% from long range, which was a big savior as to why they were able to pull off the win. Not to mention the seven made threes in the final four minutes. The Cavs also had a 15-point lead earlier in the game, and after a rotation substitution, that led to Dallas, mainly Luka, going on a run to cut into the lead. This Cavs team can ill afford to go back to being the squad that gives up 10 plus point leads because they get too comfortable like earlier in the season. There's a necessity to keep the aggression up and keep their foot on the opponent's necks as they've been saying all year. That sense of urgency felt lacking tonight and it has felt like it's been lacking in the last couple of games. But to go back to what Max Drew said earlier this season, a win is a win no matter how ugly. And this Cavs team once again proved to be able to bounce back in a state of adversity against this Mavericks team. If you recall from late December, the Cavs came back from a 20-point deficit to beat the Mavs on their home court behind stellar defense by none other than Max Struess to close the game out and an offensive outpouring by Karis LeVert. The Mavericks had won seven of their last eight games before coming to Cleveland on Tuesday and were picking up steam and national notoriety with multiple analysts arguing that Dallas could be turning into a contender as Kyrie and Luka figure each other out. But the Cavs were able to show that they shouldn't be taken lightly either. And unlike the Mavericks having just three players in double figures, the Cavs had a balanced attack with six players reaching double digits and assisted on 35 of their 44 made shots which has been another key for them. So although the Cavs were able to pull out a win and once again showed how their two focal points in getting shots up from beyond the arc and obtaining those looks by moving the ball and finding the open man can be successful, even in the most dire situations, they still have aspects of their game to work on that can help get them back to winning games by 10 or more rather than giving the Cleveland faithful a scare, even though it ended in celebration. Oh, and before I sign off, 
let me give you this tidbit that also could have played into why Max Struess was so calm, cool, and collected, making his 59-point pull-up. It's not his first time with a further-than-half-court game winner. Before Max transferred to DePaul University, he spent two seasons at Lewis University, a Division II school in Romeoville, Illinois. Max tallied over a 1,000 points in his tenure, including a three-quarter shot at the buzzer to beat University of Missouri-St. Louis in his sophomore year. The shot is listed as 75 feet by GLVC Sports Network. We talked briefly about his past game winner, and he mentioned remembering it was number one on ESPN. I think he was referring to SportsCenter's top plays. He said it was on there for multiple days. So yeah, I guess we can always expect something spontaneous to happen with this Cavs team because they all have experience doing wild things. Whether it's Donovan throwing it off the backboard to himself for a dunk, Max Struess hitting a half-court ender, We've had some special plays already this season, and we're just getting past the halfway mark. And I wonder what will be next. But until then, that'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and me by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from me and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.